Hey folks, if you like listening to Stumble Through, there's now a way you can support the show. Click the link in the show notes to make a once-off donation through the ACAST supporter feature. There's no ongoing commitment and you can give as little or as much as you'd like. I love making the podcast and I'd like to keep making it. So even if it's just the price of a coffee, every little bit helps. Thanks so much. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. I pay my respects to them and their cultures and to elders both past and present. Hey folks, just to let you know, um, there is a trigger warning on this episode. So towards the end of the episode, Steve and I have a little chat about um, suicide and depression. Uh, It's nothing too in-depth and there's nothing detailed, but we just wanted to give you the heads up in case you're having a bad mental health day and this may not be the best thing for you. How do you find the time when you can't find pause? A confirmation watch your face is gonna open some doors. You do what you gotta do, stumble through. Hello folks and welcome to Stumble Through, the podcast for young Australian adults trying to figure shit out. I'm your host, Paula Arujo. I'm a writer, theatre creator and marketer. I am a short, round-faced white woman with a huge pair of black headphones on, wearing black jeans and a black t-shirt. And this week we are talking about death, dying and mortality with the incomparable Steve Peary. Yay! <laughs> bow, 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 bow. I'm just trying to like come in on a high note because I know that we're going to talk about some big things today. So. Okay, did you want me to reintroduce you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. With the <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the mic, the incomparable, the dazzling Steve Peary. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I don't read. I don't read the room very well. Um, for those of you listening, I didn't know that we play the song just before we start talking. So we have like a five-piece band in the corner over here who play that live every day. Yeah. You may not know that, but Paula has her own theme song wherever she goes. Uh, so that's that's something we've all learnt today. Um, yeah. Hey, Steve. It's hey. nice to have you back on the podcast. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, of course. It's it's so nice to be back. What's going on? Thank you. This is the only time that I actually see you in person. So oh, this is... Yeah, I don't exist out of the podcast sphere. It's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've uploaded yourself to the cloud. Yeah. That's, that's what the cloud is, right? Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, good. Because I don't know how it works. I think I just pushed a button accidentally one day and then... And then you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have been, I've been all right. It's been it's been a bit of a, a trying season in my life, won't lie. Um, been busy... There's been some heartbreak in there, but you sure. know what? We're through it now, and I learned a lot along the way, and I am looking forward to things not being that. I'm okay with. Like, How's that self-talk going? Is that, is that, <laughs> you're very convincing. I think that's great, though. There are there are some teachable moments in mm. that. So there you go. It's a good start to the year. January's a write-off, mm-hmm. and now the year starts. Mm, so yeah. you're going to be fine. No, January is. 
The year starts in February and mm-hmm. that's just our trial month. The Correct. year actually starts in March. It's yeah. Fine. It's like your subscription trial where it's yeah. like you get your 30 days free to do whatever mm-hmm. you want and then you can start over. Yes. Okay. Good. Perfect. I'm so glad that we nutted this out. Amazing. Good. <laughs> um, can you introduce yourself for yeah. the lovely listeners who may not know you from the last time you were on the show? Yeah. So my name is Steve. I am a theatre maker. I'm a writer. Um, I'm a teacher. I am a husband and a dog parent. Um, if you can't see me right now, which you can't, I am a average looking man. Um, I have brown hair. I'm wearing big headphones and I am wearing a black sleeveless top and a black pair of shorts, which are kind of my uniform. So there you go. It's a great uniform. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm doing the Zuckerberg thing where it's like, I don't have to think about what I'm wearing when I leave the yes. house. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only Zuckerberg thing I'm doing. I'm not spying on anybody though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paula doesn't look convinced. I, I'm not entirely convinced, but I mean, Steve has got really kind eyes, so I'll believe it anyway. Yeah. I have a life outside of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you stumbled through anything this week? Um, I've stumbled through a few big things in the last couple of weeks. I've had a death in the family, um, which has been, uh, yeah. Oh, thank you. That's, that's very kind. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, fitting to what we're kind of going to talk about today, which is a nice reminder. Um, we've had, I'm about to go back into study. So I was just trying to get those things ready. It's a, it's a big year coming up. Mm. So it's a lot of, this is kind of packing the bag for the rest of that year. So trying to get everything ready. Make sure things are in their place, but you know, yeah, it's like going to be fine. Pack the bag so you feel prepared, so you know that you know six months in, you're not going to be like, oh, where did I put my Stanley knife? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I have a bad habit of leaving everything until the last minute, but this is a year where that really can't happen. So it's going to be a good training mm-hmm. year um, for kind of getting those training wheels off that bike. And um, well, you're doing great, Tefan. Look at you, like well, I'm, you're prepared. I'm, I'm here, prepped. <laughs> yeah, you're, you were you were actually here before me, which was a bit embarrassing. But I put that down to traffic and roadworks. Yep, it's their yep. fault. It's it's their fault. It's it's fine. I, yeah. mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about uh, some big things today. Yeah, absolutely. We are here to talk about death, dying, immortality. And my first question for you is. What happens when we die, Steve? <laughs> to our to our bodies, I mean. Yeah, of course. That's a yeah, a small question to ease into uh, mm-hmm. the pool there. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, my background before this is I did a bit of time as a funeral director. Um, so it was my job to uh, do everything from picking up people who had just died uh, to taking them into the funeral home, meeting with families, and helping them plan what they want. Um, for their loved ones and what they want for themselves and then being there on the day when it happens and and also being able to kind of help them through the transition to what happens after which is really where the the real work of grief begins Mm -hmm. Um, you have that run up until the funeral um, which is in in western colonized culture particularly how we deal with death is very short and then we have um, the challenge that comes after as people kind of get used to the new normal but what happens to our bodies uh, is a big thing. So it's we can break that down into a few things because nowadays we tend to treat it as a very medical event and it's isolated in that way. But I think it's actually much more than that. It's, it can be a, a spiritual event or a family event or it's even an economic event. Like it, it, it costs a lot of money to die in Australia. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, But our debt dies with us though, right? Like we're one of... 
those countries. Well, I'm not an accountant, so I'm worried about that. (laughs) I don't know if that... I will fact check that and put the answer uh, in the show notes. (laughs) Let's check the ATO and let me know because I have a mountain of debt um, that I don't want to pass on. That is fair. Yeah. So so I guess really what happens, we're going to be talking today in a lot of the, the Western context, so a lot of the funeral practices and death practices that we inherited from British and American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the Australian funeral industry is, is really strongly based off those two combined. So a lot of the things that you see um, in American TV shows and all sorts of things where they talk about things like open caskets have kind of been adapted to, into a culture. So if you've been to a funeral in Australia, chances are you have seen something that's been influenced by that. There are other cultural practices that I don't really feel authority to talk about, mm-hmm. um, but it's well worth researching and, and we can um, probably put those in the episode notes too if there's things that you would like to learn yeah. about alternative death practices. Uh, so what happens when you die? Your body will shut down. Uh, let's say that uh, you are 93 and you've had a great run and you your body is just slowly dying. Nobody dies of natural causes. It's always a complication because of something. So, so it might be pneumonia or it might be a cold that gets complicated because your body just can't handle it anymore. So you fade away, your brain stops working, your body shuts down and then if your family wants to come and say goodbye to you, if you're in a hospital or a nursing home or hopefully you have someone there with you, um, it's always nicer. And then what happens is we get a phone call. So chances are uh, the nursing home or hospital has put the family in contact with us. We'll take the phone call and then we'll go out to get them. So this could be in the middle of the night. Um, So my job was originally I would be on call quite a bit. So I'd be 24 hours a day. So I'd get a phone call in the middle of the night, put my uniform on, drive out to wherever I needed to. This was in Toowoomba. So this was Ooh. about um, taking me anywhere from uh, Toowoomba, anywhere west. So sometimes it would be a seven-hour drive to go and collect someone, sometimes oh, wow. more because there aren't a lot of morgues regionally. So we go and get you and we take very good care to mm-hmm. make sure that you are well taken care of. Um, I always used to think of it as taking care of my own grandparents. Um, mm. It's... You know, we, we know how sensitive the situation is. So yeah. so the people who are working with you are always people who take your needs first. Um, and then we put you into a stretcher that has a bag on top of it. So it's like a body bag. It's very comfortable. And then we put you in a car and we take you back to the funeral home where you'll stay with us. Um, and then we go through the process. So we'll meet with a family, talk about the things that they want to do. Um, sometimes I can be really flexible depending on the home that you're with or depending on the funeral home that you're you're choosing to have work for you. Sometimes a little bit more rigid. So particularly in Brisbane, there are more specific time structures that you need to work around. So sometimes funerals will be capped at one hour. So we have to work around that before the next one comes in. Oh, okay. So it's um, it can be quite a tight turnaround in between them because you have to, oh, wow, it's like changing sets because it's exactly like changing sets. And then yeah. you have to get everyone in, do the thing, get everyone out and mm-hmm. then reset for the next funeral. For the next one. Oh, wow. Because nobody's waiting. Yeah, everyone's got one. So it's a well-oiled machine. Mm. Uh, so we talk about that with the family and while that's happening, um, your family's brought in some clothes that they'd like you to be dressed in. So we'll go ahead and get the body prepared, mm-hmm. um, which can or can't include embalming. It depends on what is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll go through that process. We'll make sure people are washed and taken care of. Um, and then we dress you up and put you in your hair and makeup and you're ready for your big day. There you go. Yeah. And then from there, well, the funeral can be a bit flexible too. So it can go from anything from um, a graveside service. So we meet you at the grave. Um, and then it'll be 
maybe a 20 minute ceremony before you're put in the ground or we have a ceremony in a chapel and then it can either be a burial or cremation or if there's another alternative way it's not very common but they do happen mm-hmm. um but generally it's either a burial or a cremation just depending okay. on what your belief structure is yeah and that's what happens when you die <laughs> wow that wow that is the that is the logistics around yeah, dying. Yeah, the, the logistics around it. I mean... Yeah, which is something yeah. that not a lot of people think of. Um, everyone kind of assumes that people just disappear. And yeah. in a way, they kind of do. Um, we've gotten very good in the Australian funeral industry of responding to a need, which is to make death go away. So we, we literally come in the middle of the night and take you away. And wow. some families, that's what they want. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend it because I think... I think that our death practices need to reflect more of a need to acknowledge that someone who is there isn't there anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that needs to take place over a longer period of time. It can take place with things like viewings. So when you come into the home to spend some time mm-hmm. with the person that you've lost, so we'll have them in their coffin prepared in a little room and you can spend as much time with them as you like. You can leave letters or you can leave something in the coffin to stay with them. Um but it's just those little things along the way that will help make that transition into life after somebody yeah. um, a little bit smoother. It's never going to be easy. Death no. is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be smoother than what we're doing now. Yeah. I suppose it's about acknowledging um, loss and absence as opposed to just kind of going, oh, well, this is done now, so better clean up and move yeah, on. Yeah, you don't move on. Um, I think that's a big thing. You just move mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. Yeah. And days will be easier than others. It's not a direct, like grief isn't a... Linear trajectory. Yeah, yeah. it's not going to go up the whole mm-hmm. day. You will be fine for six months and then you will have a bad day because you will hear music that reminds you of somebody or something like that. And that's absolutely normal. Yeah. It's a new normal. Mm-hmm. It's going to be you going forward and remembering that that, that is a part of you. And the, the delicate dance is to make sure that that doesn't control the rest of your life. It's yeah. just a new life without somebody. Paula's wearing clown makeup at the moment <laughs> as well to lighten this up. So I am, it's really I am. working. I've got like a bright red nose. Yeah. It's uh, actually a really good look for <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. I mean, look, that that was a really beautiful way of putting it. And it kind of segues perfectly into our next question, which is yeah. death and ritual. <laughs> uh, what's yeah. your favorite thing that people do surrounding death and dying? Um, the stuff that people leave behind mm-hmm. for people. So, so I was saying before that you can leave things in coffins. Um, so, and, and seeing what people choose to leave behind is something that's really, it's like, you can nail down who that person is. Mm. So like, uh, if you are over 50, uh, and you're a man and you die in Australia, chances are you're getting a bottle of rum with you. So there's a lot of alcohol that will <laughs> oh. be in the grounds of cemeteries, like wow. just sitting there. So there'll be like, um, cans of beer and, you know, rum and scotch and, and just pretty much anything, anything that's flammable. Um, they're putting right. in the crown. So. Oh, good. Good. I'm very pleased. Yeah. So kind of if you don't get the embalming done, you know, above ground, you might get some sort of... Yeah, uh, something's prever- preserving you downstairs. Don't worry yeah. about it. You're, yeah. you're fine. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and if you're still alive, then you have a drink to keep you safe. So. There you go. Drink to um, keep you warm. Quick side note, you are never alive. You're very dead when you put in the ground. I know that's yeah. a common fear. No, you're dead. You're real dead. Um, cigarettes. <laughs> cigarettes is really common as well. Um, a lot of like a lot of cards and letters and that sort of thing. So I think that's probably something that I recommend. If if you do and you will 
you know, everyone's going to lose somebody. But when it comes to that time, um, if that's something you feel you need to do, please let your funeral director know um, because they're more than happy to accommodate those sorts of things. That's great. That's like really special, you know, and I think that that certainly is something that I hadn't thought about until you pointed it out, you know, like you can leave something with them. So Mm. it's, it's not just like, because in the movies, everyone's like, I didn't get to say goodbye. And it's like, mm. well, you can. You can just leave yeah. a little note or something. You yeah, know, you and can that's, do that. that's why viewings are so essential to that process. Mm. You know, particularly if it is sudden or particularly if there is, um, if it's trauma or, or something that's, you know, that's going to take a bit more time mm. to process. Being able to go in and spend time with the person that you love and just and just have that moment—it's not easy. Mm. Um, it's not something that people look forward to, but I think there are so many more people that do it and don't regret it mm-hmm. than people that do. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's it's an important part of the process. It is. Um, and hearing eulogies as well—that mm-hmm. was a thing that I was never ready for. But just hearing what people did with their lives it's just like it was a year of hearing people who I felt were more accomplished than me so (laughs) there's no better like motivation to be like oh uh this is a person that helped um start irrigation in South Africa or this is a person that was a botanist and never married and was perfectly fine on her own I was like oh fuck I'm not getting anything done I was like I was I was 25 when I started and so there's that perfect time for me being like what am I doing where am I going (laughs) (laughs) That, that is perfect timing. Yeah. Can we turn this into a movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, not not to be insensitive, but mm. it's just kind of too perfect not to make something with. We'll get to plugs and we'll talk about that. That's going to be. <laughs> okay, this is very exciting. Uh, that's a lie. I've already seen the show. I was really yeah. excited when I saw it at Highway. <laughs> yeah. So it's. Uh, yeah. So it's. Um, yeah, well, we'll talk about that later on. Uh, yeah, so hearing hearing what people did uh, with their time and hearing how their people talk about them as well and how their community talks about them, it's that, always that thing where it's like you wish you could hear what people would say about you but while you're there. Oh, yeah. No, so everyone this wants is, to hear the eulogy, but like when they can still, Yeah, you know. when they can still process it because yeah. it's, it's amazing what people will say um, and then be surprised by the fact that they never said that to the person. So... Yeah. So this is your this is your challenge as you're folding okay. your laundry or doing whatever you're doing with this podcast to find those people and and tell them what you are thinking because it it will never go down the wrong way. Mm. Um, yeah. What would you want people to say about your eulogy? Like, what, I, what do you want me in yours? Yeah. Oh, I. That, it's funny that you asked that because um, I think two three years ago uh, as a, an exercise to try and figure out like my values and stuff, I wrote my own. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I'm i still working on it. Like every time I kind of feel a little bit like, oh, I don't know, everything's overwhelming. What am I doing? Blah, um, I go back to it. And most of all, it was just like oh, getting a bit teary. Um, mm. I think my eulogy was mostly to do with like, I just want, I just want people to know that they are cared for mm-hmm. and that they're part of something, you know, like they're, they're part of a community. Yeah. Um, I think I had something in there that was like, um, she made the room a little bit warmer, a joke about body heat, which she would have appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was that. And yeah. um, I think I talked a little bit about like my creative work and I just, mm-hmm. I have no particular desire to be rich and famous and Brad Pitt. That, that doesn't really appeal to me, but I do want to make stuff that, you know, people can unfold it and feel connected to something. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's really lovely. You know what you need to do now, don't you? You have to give that to somebody. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And somebody needs to read that. Um, I think think you're absolutely right. And I think that wanting – it's very normal to want to make something that is going to be around for after you are. And that's what your relationships are. That's what the people around you are. You know, like it's that's that's your legacy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we talk a lot about I, I don't want people to forget when I'm gone, or I don't want um, I want to know that I did something that was meaningful. And and you already are by oh, having those. Re- yeah, well, I mean, you are by and, and everyone is by having those relationships that that teach them something to pass on to somebody else. Like yeah. that that's your legacy, mm. and that's the thing that came up after hearing. Like you know, I've heard hundreds and hundreds of eulogies, and nobody talks about shit that you own Mm. they talk about how you made them feel and they talk about how you made them a better person and Mm. what you taught them that's the common thing that comes up in Mm. every time when somebody dies so that's that's your legacy that's the work that you're doing absolutely I feel like sometimes we can get so caught up in reputation but I think reputation Mm. is totally different to legacy because reputation is your name existing in a sort of separate space to you because you can't control what other people say about you but you can control what you do you can control um, the things that you get involved with the way that you behave the things that you say and that is kind of how you you know build up to the person that you want to be and become someone that you would be proud of I suppose Mm. Yeah. yeah, it is your responsibility and it's your gift um, to find meaning in what you do, and that's really kind of what you've you've got to do. That's your that's you building your legacy, and yeah. and we tend to think of the word legacy and what you leave behind is something very grand, but it's actually the smallest things that will actually mean something to people. Mm. You know, it's it's that's what you're leaving behind, yeah. and that's what people remember. Oh. Yeah. That was really beautiful. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Well, what would you have on um, on your... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just want them to spell my name right. Um, <laughs> Mate, you and me both. Yeah. You and me Oh, yeah, both. you've got a harder one than oh, me. Yeah. Oh, I, I think that ours are about the same. At least, like, I can imagine that when you're spelling it out loud, it's the same as when I spell it out loud. Like, mm-hmm. people, um, A-R-A-U-J-O, and sometimes it comes out different. Yeah. Um, What's what's that common misspelling? Um, a R A I A U J O. Some people, uh, yeah, the confuse the I and yeah, the R, yeah. which has made me really self conscious about the way you, that I say the letter R. Yeah, when you say <laughs> your last name to people, when you give it out, like at the mm. doctors or something, do you just instinctively spell it after? Yep, yeah, one hundred percent. No, just just everywhere. Solidarity. Like, yeah. yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just better. It's easier now than making people like ask for it. It's mm. it's uh yeah, that's yeah. the struggle we're living with. You you say it and then you spell it immediately. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, so third question that I have for you mm. is um, how does people's behavior change when they're confronted with death and the perspective it brings? Mm-hmm. Because we talked a bit about people leaving things behind in the casket and I wonder if, you know, like that's, that's all part of the process of loss and grief is, um, you know, trying to figure out what your relationship with that person is now that they are gone. Mm. And then also what that relationship means for you and your life as a whole. At least that's kind of my interpretation. Of yeah, that. sure. I, it's interesting. Like you see so many of them happen and then you talk to people after and it's the same, it's the same thing. Like every, every man over 60 will kind of just like look at the ground and then look at you and be like, well, we all got to do it. Don't we? And I'm like, yes, we do. Uh, and that's kind of the limit of mm. what, of what uh, they're willing to talk about. Um, it's amazing what happens to relationships after, 
somebody dies, um, a lot of things tend to be forgiven. A lot of a lot of people, that's kind of the opportunity for them to have hindsight on a relationship. Um, things, differences, and and this is very general, but di- differences and arguments and, and all those things, they tend not to feel as big mm. um, because then you have that distance. Yeah. There are exceptions to that rule, of course. There's, you know, there's, there's traumatic relationships that people have with people and, and that will take much longer um, to pull apart. But I think what, what the death of somebody around you brings is everybody suddenly gets that idea that, you know, that's something that they're going to have to do. Mm. Um, and you're either ready for it or you're not. Yeah. There's no real in-between. Um, and, you know, not everybody gets to be... 95 and having a good time. Some people die scared. Some people die violently. Some people die before it's their time. And that's, that's how the world works. But, um, but losing someone generally, um, I find that it brings a lot of capacity and it invites you to reflect on what you're doing. Mm. Um, and it can either repair your relationship with death or it can, it can make it a bit harder. And if that's the case, then that's probably something that we would need to talk to somebody about um, and continue un- to unpack that. I'm not saying that everyone needs to be stoked about death and dying. I'm not quite just yet. Um, but working with death and working with people who had died um, certainly repaired my, my relationship and my fear of dying. Like I'm not, I'm not scared to die anymore. I'm not ready to, but I'm not scared about it. Yeah. And do you think that there's a difference between the fear of, you know, death versus dying? Because in my mind, they're two separate things. Like the, the yeah, dying part absolutely. is how you get there. And yes. that terrifies me. But the death part, I'm like, well, I've kind of made my peace with that. Yeah, it's, it, they are two very different things. Um, if, you are, if you are dying, and well, we're all dying. Uh-huh. Bit of existential <laughs> humor for you. Yeah, hey, um, hey, hey, I mean, we're all dying yeah, slowly. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, if you are dying, I can't speak. I have never been diagnosed with a terminal illness, but I know that that is a much longer journey that hopefully you have some support networks mm. along the way. Um, but it, it gives you a chance to maybe begin to, um, I think sometimes I refer to it as cleaning the house. So being able to um, kind of end and bring things to an end on your terms, I suppose, of being able to say goodbye to people um, being able to repair things before you go, mm. any of those sorts of things that you would like to do. I know that can be really hard to come mm. to terms with because a lot of the time spent is actually, um, depending on your condition, you, you might be in chronic um, treatment or you might be in things that may just make you feel tired all the time or make you feel sore all the time and you may not want to do those things. But it, it really is kind of a – I think it would it, it definitely shifts your perspective on things when you know that your time is running out. Yeah, and I think sure. that's – and I mean – this is the knowledge that we are all kind of given in that our time is always running out. But if we thought about that all the time, we would never get anything else done. It's, it's very big to think about. And we shouldn't be thinking about it all the time. No, you should be living help. your life. Yeah. You yeah. Gotta, in, a, in amongst all of the hustle and bustle and the deadlines, there is mm. still a life that needs to be led. And to a certain extent, you're not going to get the most out of it if you are yeah. constantly focused on, but I'm going to. Yeah. None of the people who I met said that they wish they had worked harder. Mm. Like nobody says like, oh, I should have put in more hours on in the office, or I should have, I should have stayed back later more often. Like it's, I don't think anybody has that capacity mm. um, to do that. I th- what people wish they had spent more time with the people they love, 
or the people that they didn't see very often. Um, yeah, it's like, like those uh, are the those are the things that you need to invest in. Absolutely, it's um like in the spoiler alert in the last episode of The Good Place, and mm, Chidi is like paradise is in a place. Yeah, it's it's just time with the people you love. And I'm yeah. like, oh god. Yep. <gasps> Absolutely, and that's and they the good place is mm. is a great example Sublime. of that. Yeah, um, just as that idea that um, that the joy is in the mystery mm. that we don't know what's going to happen, but that's what gives us meaning now. Yeah, of going that that your moment right now is meaningful, and not in a way that should be intimidating, but in a way that should be an opportunity for you yeah. to to find meaning in what you do and to find meaning in your day. That's that's what gets you forward. Absolutely. Alrighty, and now it is time for The Things I've Never Said. This is the segment where we accept anonymous submissions and confessions from our listeners on the topic we discuss. So, first up, here's something that frustrates me about life. Why must we grunt and sweat and toil through this rat race of a life to have more things than other people? We're all ending at the same finish line, so why does it matter who's accumulated the most stuff? In death, we are all equal. Why can't we treat each other accordingly in life? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> Look, I, I I agree with the thing about things because um, mm. we kind of talked about that. Where it's like yeah. you, you know, you, it's that old saying, but you, you can't you can't take anything with you. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that goes without given. I'm. It sounds funny, and this is a much bigger discussion, but I don't think death is an equalizer. I don't think everybody mm. dies equally. Just because there are economic barriers to having a good death in Australia. That oh, okay. is a much like a bigger discussion for like to give you an idea. It costs mm-hmm. to have a funeral in Australia. It costs anywhere from about twelve to fourteen thousand dollars. It's going to be higher in Sydney, um, mm-hmm. and in the capital cities because it's real estate. If you're mm-hmm. being buried, you are buying real estate. So even as a millennial now, you still can't buy a home when you're dead. Cool. Yeah. Good to know so that I am know. forever locked out of the property market, even so, when I die. <laughs> I wonder if there's been like a huge uptick in cremations then from the millennial generation. There is, but it's not as environmentally friendly. So that's oh, that's no. the next challenge. Oh. Yeah. So for all of you moral hardliners out there, you can't even die without it having a negative impact. Uh, <laughs> there no. are there are ways there are ways to do it, but mm. it's a bit different. So yes, morally, it's an equalizer. Economically, not so much. Um, class exists even when you die. So <laughs> that's Great. nice. That, that, is, end on. that is so nice. Thank you. But I think <laughs> just talking about that idea of the struggle, though, and um, I think that yeah, to struggle in the rat race isn't so much of a good thing. But but the struggle is what gives us meaning. Mm. Um, you know, because without that struggle, there is no. We can't contrast it with the joyous moments. Absolutely, and we can't contrast that with the calm and the lessons that we have. Um, yeah, I that's what puts meaning into those moments. One hundred percent. I think that you know, as hard as hardships are, you have to have them to, you know, add flavor to your life. Um, mm. What was that? I think it was Thackeray. Um, mm-hmm. And there's this beautiful children's storybook from forever ago called um the rose and the rose and the something Uh, and it's got this character called the fairy black stick in it and she bestows these gifts upon all these babies as they're born and um the one she says is okay well you've been born to a good family and you're beautiful and i know you've got a good mind and a good heart so the best thing that i can wish you is a little misfortune and it's like what what do you mean but that's that's exactly it. You know, you can't you can't have a rich and deeply fulfilling life without also going through some hard times because mm. 
you know, that's always on the way to fulfilling Absolutely. in some way. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, this isn't the grand answer, but it's really just to do as much good as you can for as long as you can. Yeah. And then what you do has an impact on the people around you and then that's how you live on. Absolutely. Yeah. Alrighty, respondent two. Um, I don't know how to become at peace with death. I'm very scared of it happening before I'm ready and it sometimes makes me anxious in my day-to-day life or if I'm traveling or far from my family. If you have any idea, if you have an idea, how can I become more comfortable with mortality? Hmm. I think the way the way that I became more common is the way that I got scared of a lot of things mm-hmm. um, or the way that I treated a lot of things. The best thing for phobia treatment or to be treated for something that you are scared of is exposure. Um, I'm not saying go and work in a funeral home. Uh, <laughs> that's not possible for everybody and it doesn't pay very well. Uh, so my my advice to you is not not to say not to think about it, but it's to put more value into what you're doing now. Um, it can be really scary to think about dying because that's not what we, we don't know. Nobody mm-hmm. knows no. what's going to happen. Um, so find meaning in what you're doing now. Um, the, the joy is in the, the mystery of not knowing. And I think what working in a funeral home did for me is to is seeing people who came in and it's funny when you see a body for the first time, they always look fake because you, you, you watch it on TV and, and you have an idea of what death looks like and it looks very different. Um, it does look quite peaceful. Hmm. So to think about that and to think about it just going, you know, what happens when you die? It's probably what happens before you're born. It's going to be very comfortable and you won't know and that's fine. You, hmm. To put it in the way that a good place put it, you are a wave returning to the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a very understandable common fear. I mean, yeah. you know, it, death comes for us all, but that doesn't make it any less scary. And I think you're right. The the way to become more comfortable with your mortality is to appreciate the fact that everything is temporary yeah. and that you have this gift of a life yeah. and that you get to, you know, like experience it with other people. And sure, not everything will be great. And maybe it's about trying to, you know, figure out what you're willing to suffer through and what you're not yeah. and um, what gives meaning and what is just sapping the life out of you. Yeah. And um, kind of treat it like that. I think that uh, there was a great quote that went around my grade seven class, which is uh, don't take life too seriously. No one gets out alive. Oh yeah. <laughs> is that a, I think that's a Woody. Uh, what's Woody his Allen? name? Yeah. I think it's yeah, a Woody Allen. That quote. sounds about right. That sounds like Woody we Allen. Can, we can still quote him. We just don't watch his movies. No, <laughs> we don't watch his movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, it's entirely normal to be scared of death, but death is actually the most normal thing there is. So. Yeah. yeah just, just one of those it's a, things. It's a really tricky thing to do, but mm. um, yeah. Don't let that fear control your life now. Yeah. Actually, I saw a beautiful cross-stitch that someone gave Claire, which is, um, it was something like, we're all going to die soon or something. And uh, yeah, Claire has a few cross-stitches. Uh, so my <laughs> wife, my wife Claire, has a few cross-stitches around the home. I think it says, um, have a good day at work. Remember, we're all going to die. Yeah, yeah, that one. And I remember the way that she shared it and the way that she framed it was a, um, this is a way that I remind myself that, both you know bad things will end but to hold on to the good things because you know we're all gonna die so you gotta make the most of it yeah everything ends yeah yeah 
Alrighty. Well, um, okay. Uh, so when we did the call out for respondents, there was someone who sent in their response. It is anonymous. So unfortunately I can't get in touch with them myself. Uh, but we just wanted to touch on uh, this submission because we're a little bit concerned for the well-being um, yeah. of our listeners. Um, so just to preface this, this is a trigger warning. It does talk about um, suicidal ideation. Uh, this is the submission. I wake up nearly every day and say, I want to die slash I wish I was dead. I wish I could be honest and tell people how I'm feeling, but they wouldn't understand that I'm not suicidal per se. It's just death is so easy and life is so hard. Okay. So um, it's hard to, it's hard to get more information from what we've been given, but the information that I've been given is this is a description of what suicidal ideation is. So without without wanting to go too much into assumptions about what this person has written and if you are listening um hello i hope you were doing okay i am sorry that you sometimes feel shit um sometimes it is easier to not admit that you might need to talk to somebody or that you might need to get some help um but what you are describing has got me thinking that perhaps that's what you need to do um we will have some episode notes that will describe some things if you ever feel like this or if you're feeling that things are getting too difficult, please reach out to them. Um, it's a very easy phone call to begin with, um, but we really hope that you do that because I can say this as someone who has seen this happen multiple times and has seen what happens after, death is not easy. It is not easy for you and it is not easy for the people around you. Okay, so uh, let's take that away. Life can be hard, but... Um, but what you are describing is is probably not the way to deal with this. Um, I hope that you talk to somebody. That's what I would say. Yeah. Um, look, if if you are listening, I want you to know that you're not alone. I'm, I've been where you are. It's very, very scary. And now I get to go through schools and universities and I talk about my mental health journey and I talk about the way that I, um, you know, worked through depression and the help that I got and the way that I asked for it so you you are by no means alone in fact I think statistically one in four people globally will experience a severe mental uh, a, a moderate to severe uh, mental um, ill health episode at least one point in their lives and I just I want you to know that it's always daunting but asking for help is always harder just before you do it. And there are a lot of ways that you can get help. Um, like Steve said, there's going to be some numbers that you can call in the show notes for Australia. There's also websites. Um, everyone wants you here. Paul has taken off her clown makeup now. We've been serious. We've been very serious. We've had a serious moment. Yeah, we've had a serious moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to, um, Steve and I just wanted to address that because it's very important to us. Um, yeah. And we also know it's highly likely that there are people out there who may be feeling similar. Yeah, um, who just didn't write in and tell us. Absolutely. And statistically, yeah. There's, um, um, I think off the top of my head, uh, the, the statistic is that, um, first of all, uh, suicide is the leading cause, leading cause of death for young people, young Australians mm -hmm. aged uh, 15 to 55. Biggest dangers them as themselves. Yep. And uh, in a group of 27 
students, um, seven people will be suffering with a moderate to severe case of mental ill health and only two of them will ask for help. That means that five will be left to suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. So mm. if you feel like you're alone, you're not. It's just that uh, there probably aren't a bunch of people talking at you about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to get out of this. Um, you talk about plugs? Yeah, let's talk about plugs. <laughs> let's, <laughs> uh, I wanted to, to segue so beautifully, but I, I don't know how to beautifully like capture that moment of us talking directly to all of our beautiful listeners, but also be like, okay, so, hey, Steve, you've made what some are you cool doing? shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think sometimes we can just let things sit where they are, you know, like mm. we've, we've had our chance to talk to people. Um, now we're going to move on. <laughs> let that settle. Alrighty. Well then, Steve, um, let me ask you before we get to plugs, what would you yep. do if you knew 10,000 people would do the same? Ah, oh, you asked me this question last time and I was I so stumped. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have knew this was coming. Uh, I read it to you before we What started. would I, yeah, I know. But I, no one's I ever prepared though. No one about, ever is. Yeah. I'm just stalling for time now. Um, <laughs> if I, if I did... Oh, well, actually, um, if I did something, if I just going on from our last chat, if I did something that 10,000 other people do, I would ask people how they're going. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm not going like to say, are you okay? Because that's a closed, that's a closed question. Mm. You can only say yes or no. You can say, how are you doing? Oh, that's clever. No, really, how are you doing? Yeah. 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 And it's and always kind of like that. If they're like, yeah, I'm fine. It's like, no, you have to push again. And yeah. Like, or it's the other thing where it's like I would, instead of saying what do you need, instead of just making an offer. Mm. So so instead of asking someone what do you need, because sometimes that can be really hard to ask mm. what they need. Because um, they don't Just saying know. like, let me make dinner for you or yeah. or something that you can do. Or it's like, let me give you a ride to work or something like that. Yeah. That's what I would do. Heck yeah. Boom. I love that. That is, that's great. There we go. All these life skills. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and now, do you have anything to plug, Steve? I do. So, uh, we've been talking a lot about death today um, because, one, it's my lived experience, and two, I've written about the lived experience. So, I have, um, here in Queensland, we have the Queensland Premier's Drama Award. Very uh, fancy. Which is run by Queensland Theatre, which is essentially um, for new work. So, um, 200 and something playwrights submitted from around the country and a work that I've written which is about my lived experience called Return to the Dirt is one of the three finalists. Yay! So what will happen is that um, on April 8th all three players are being read so you'll see them read by actors um, so they'll have their scripts in hand it'll be moved um, but the idea is to get it out to whatever it is now and then the winner is selected from a panel of judges to be programmed into the 2021 season um, so there are two other brilliant playwrights that are also up from the run as well so I'd recommend you see all three um, but yes 8th of April uh, at Queensland Theatre you can book through their website uh, at queenslandtheatre.com.au and um, it'll be great. So if you have enjoyed hearing a little bit about it today, you're going to hear a lot more um, in a much more entertaining form than me talking through a mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can vouch for that. I saw the um, performance of Return to the Dirt at Highway Festival at La Boite and it was beautiful. I laughed and I cried and I laughed more than I cried, which was yeah, it bizarre, is. but it's, hey. It's, it's funny. It's a funny story. Like mm. it's, it's, not all, it's not all in the big because it's about me being a 25-year-old fuck-up um, learning to do something that I have no responsibility of. So, <laughs> what? Mm, I feel 
uncomfortable with you calling yourself a 25-year-old fuck-up because you weren't. And you're well, not. now I'm a 30-year-old fuck-up, so <laughs> Paula doesn't like that I'm self-deprecating. Yeah, I'm trying to get it out She's of myself She's putting the clown too. makeup back on. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast again and for sharing with us. And You are so welcome. Thank you. Um, where can we find you? Do you want to be found? Yeah, so um, most of my stuff nowadays is just through my Instagram. So if you find me at by Steve Peary, um, and then I'm floating around in other things. I'm not very big on Twitter, um, but mostly Insta is pictures of my dog. So if you want to see your cute dog, just follow it. Mm-hmm. Midge is great. She's pretty cool. Yeah, I can understand why you wouldn't want to pass on any debt to Midge. <laughs> I mean, she's she's gorgeous and she's so cute. She's but you- very unskilled. <laughs> she's, yeah. She's not a she's not a, a blue collar dog. She's got mm. the finer things in life. Yeah. She doesn't cook, she doesn't clean, she doesn't fly commercial. No. Nope. No. <laughs> um, and thank you all so much for listening. Thanks as always to Zane at That's Not Canon Productions for producing the show. Graphics are by Claudia Piggott, music by Jessica Fletcher. If you've stumbled upon us, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find us and it makes me really happy. You can find us on Instagram at StumbleThroughPod and Facebook at StumbleThroughPodcast. Until next time, do your best and take care of each other. Chat soon. Let's talk about X, baby. Ah, crappy relationships, the bane of our collective existence. But what do we learn from our mistakes? I'm relationship columnist Liz Best. And I'm funny guy Tom Harris. Ghosts of Boyfriends Past will chat to guests about love gone wrong and take you on a journey through the funny, tragic, horrifying... And sometimes just plain bonkers stories about that crazy little thing called love. It's like a group therapy session. With two people completely unqualified to be leading it. New episodes drop fortnightly on Thursday, so join in to hear tales of heartbreak and woe and hopefully wind up a little wiser or drunker for it. That's not kind of productions podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.